Casa is conversation. It's authentically building community and connections. Grab a cup and let's chat. Hi, salam alaikum. What up, what up? I can't believe we're back. We are going to do roll call since this is a, a recording and we want to get back to ourselves, our familiarity. It's Abran. It's Anfal. It's Sana, aka Sanoya. <laughs> Y'all I'm better happy. remember these voices. <laughs> Literally. I think, I think, um, all of our voices are distinctive enough, or maybe enough people will get to get to know us at some point. We we can do a poll after to see if people think we sound completely different. We could. Why not? Actually, <laughs> I like that idea. I'm down. All right, y'all. What's going on? Why are we back, y'all? That's a great question. Um. Well, I think we all felt called to come back and talk about everything that's been weighing heavily in our hearts and in our lives. Um, it seems and feels like there's a need for community, especially for Sudani women and girls and stuff. And I think our goal is to try and provide some sort of safe space for conversations. We're all kind of going through very similar experiences. And I feel like being able to talk about it um, together is probably the best thing we can do to help each other and ourselves. Um, like I know my saving grace has been talking to you guys and being able to talk to people who fully understand this experience. So we're going to try. We're going to try and do what we can to create the space and maintain it. Exactly. Like, I feel so blessed that we have each other to talk to about what's been going on to kind of unload on each other. But we, we need larger community. We want to have that space for all of us to come together, share our thoughts, share our feelings, mobilize, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And it comes with building our community and having that, that, that space mm -hmm. for voice and and that's what we want to create here. Yeah. I also feel like we've all been running around in different directions, like just in in reactive mode. And it's so important to just pause and like talk about our what we've been experiencing, how we've been dealing with it, what we've been doing, and realize that like we're not alone because sometimes like honestly, particularly living in the West and like going to work and such, I feel like I have multiple personalities. Like I'm work, I'm like a specific way. And then I like in my personal life and at home and like figuring out everything with Sudan, that's like a completely different and fad. And it's just like, I constantly feel like I'm switching between. And it's so important to just talk to people who like really understand the deeper experience. Yeah, I definitely feel the multiple personality thing and like the having to put on different faces, depending on what I'm doing, who I'm talking to, you know, what I'm experiencing that day. It's like, it's different. And I think the way that I'm taking this, because I feel like there's so much going on and a lot of it is really heavy stuff, is that this will be my personal 
like audio diary um, as we kind of deal with this um, conflict going on in Sudan. And hopefully we'll look back on this a year or two from now and be like, wow, like look at the space we were in before and look at where we are now and how far we've come. I'm hoping that it'll be a lot more positive and inshallah and that we'll be you know hopefully reuniting with our families all over Sudan so I'm hoping that this is kind of you know a lot of people I feel like during crises or war and stuff you know they they record like some of the most famous like I don't know books and things that we've read when we were like in middle school high school has been like just literally people's experience obviously we're not in the depths of it but this is just how we're coping in modern age 2023 like this is what it is this is this is what we can do exactly okay so what are three emotions that you feel like capture your experience over the last three months over the last month um but also give your diary your name. So dear X, if this is your audio diary, what's your diary's name? And then three emotions. Uh, I don't know, bro, you go first. Let me think about this. Oh my gosh. The dear diary has me like on pause because I don't know. I, I, I just imagine a little girl and say that, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Dear yeah. Fatma, I don't know. I don't know who I'm talking to. Fatma. Fatma. <laughs> Fatma. I don't know. I just, I feel like this is a space for women. So I definitely want to be talking to women and, and girls. But um, I don't know. I just, Fatma is like, that. just my friend, my pen pal, I guess I'll say. Um, and she's, really? She's, she's just we're here to support each other um but I would say how I've been feeling um fear confusion and just really like emotionally just exhausted like I remember that first week the word Sudan couldn't even come out of my mouth without my voice shaking like without tears like if anybody would ask me about what's going on in Sudan I'd be like choked up watching things online was just like so overwhelming but then there was the guilt of not and, and we'll get into all of that so that's what I that's what how I would describe this past month yeah <laughs> um I don't know. I, the the diary name is hard, but I in general I echo what Abroad saying. I would say t I would call it just like an open letter book thing to my sisters. That's the best that I can do. Yes. Um, emotions. I would. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a great name. You can take that one. <laughs> um, I would definitely say grief um just like yeah exhausted definitely exhausted and I think that's a result of the grief and then I would say um very high adrenaline like just all the time like the cortisol levels are constantly peaking like all the time 
So yeah, not good. Fun. Yeah, so for me, I think for my diary, I'd call it Dear Clarity. I just feel like my mind just feels so foggy right now. And like by talking to you all and by creating this platform, I just want to like create less fog. So I'm going to call it Dear, Dear Clarity. Um, for the three emotions for the past month, um, y'all know how like football players train and they're like doing the, the, the the little drills where they're like pivoting back forward back forward I feel like that's my mind like it's literally yeah. just like jumping back I don't I don't know what that emotion is if somebody has a name please tell me but I just feel like I'm constantly like pivoting back and forth y'all can't see me because this is audio but I'm making weird body language um and then the other emotion is definitely guilt um it was more so like earlier on in the month now less so but like just Alhamdulillah for like my safety and my security and like for my family here but like knowing what my family is going through abroad and like being able to just like put my head on a pillow at night like really like didn't sit with me for so long and so that was something that I dealt with a lot earlier on but Alhamdulillah I feel like I've, I've made peace with that and I've channeled that into like positive avenues um and then definitely the just like a little bit of ambivalence. Like I'm typically an optimist, but I'm like in this point right now where I'm just like, what? I don't even know what to think anymore, you know? So I'm kind of in this just like gray. Yeah. I mean, literally all of that also. <laughs> it's been just like an actual like tornado of, of so many things. And it's just, it's just not a normal experience what we're going through and not a common one. And so I think a lot of times like it's human nature to want to grab on to something or like to get advice or like listen to people who have gone through something very similar and be like, okay, so what did you do? Like when you were here, like, how did you deal? Blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, we're going through it in real time. And like every day and every week and every month, things are looking different for ourselves in our current lives and then our family's lives. And so I feel like in just talking about it with each other, like maybe, you know, maybe something will come out of it where we're able to like at least share the experience and be like, oh, what has been working for you? What has not been working for you? in hopes of maintaining our survival and just kind of like being able to be there for the people who need us which is our family exactly that's kind of spread out everywhere yeah that, that's kind of what I think about in terms of like why why should we unpack and why should we like talk about how this is affecting us because we need to be emotionally strong and resilient enough to support those around us that that unbeknownst like rely on us to be there for them right so it's like we have the privilege of taking a step away of having these conversations in the safe places to be able to be like okay how can we work through this in order to support and uplift people that are 
physically going through this trauma every single day. Um, and I feel, I do feel responsible for my own well-being in, in order to support um, them and in their, in their process as well. So it's, 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 it's a lot, but I think it's a blessing to have each other to go through all of it with, for sure. So how have you guys been like coping um, and feeling generally? I know you all kind of just went through some of the, the major emotions, but how have you been reacting, coping, giving space for this? What's worked? What hasn't? Things like that. I don't know like I really don't know I think what has taken a front seat is this overwhelming sense of responsibility like Abrar was saying and like this consistent need to do something like that's kind of taken the front seat um none of it has really been like taking the time to grieve or like think or deal it's just like day-to-day what needs to get done who needs my help what can I do and then doing it I think that's taken the most of my energy um and then it's like there's still real life happening there's still work happening there's still like birthdays and weddings and like events to go to right and then when I'm in these spaces I feel like I literally have to dissociate in order to be present because the dichotomy is so jarring. It's so I jarring. feel like I feel like we've become pros at dissociating. It's actually scary. Yeah. At least I feel like I have. Because it's how so else scary. can you go through the day? It's so scary. I remember we just be like talking about something happy, or especially with like our non-Sudani friends. Like, oh yeah, this is happening. And then they turn and be like, what's going on with Sudan your family? And you just be like, hello? Okay, I can't talk about that right now. Like, I can't get into that right now. Like, yeah, you don't understand what that's like tearing me apart right now, you know? Because I'm just in Jolly Jolly world. And then you want to ask me about Sudan, and I'm like, you know, I created a bubble. Okay, I created a bubble for five seconds. I can't, right? I can't have it be burst in public right now. Seriously, <laughs> do not poke me right now. <laughs> I end up on the floor in fetal position. Like, what are we even <laughs> talking about? I remember yeah. I was telling someone, oh, yeah, like, I've been going through, oh, what have you been going through? I was like, my family is so through that. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you Please, don't, Please don't tell me it's your random coworker that loves yeah, to be your life. Like, uh, I have to go. <laughs> The way I haven't said a single word to my coworkers, the way that I have not literally mentioned a single thing to anybody that I work with, simply because I don't want to discuss it with people who literally won't get it. And what are they going to say? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Your family's going through that, blah, blah. Like, and then what? Are you going to reduce my workload? Like, are you going to show empathy in the way that, you know, the next two weeks or however long this is going to take like it's not going to reflect in anything that you actually do and I don't want any of this like nonsense like oh my god I'm so sorry like you're not doing anything for me so I don't even care to discuss it with with my coworkers at all I will say like 
working in development, like a lot of the people around me understand the environment. They might not understand the feelings because like their families haven't gone through this, but it's like multi-ethnic, right? Um, but I I will shout it out to one of my coworkers, ama like amazing week one, she was like, please, like literally, if you need to take a couple days, take a couple days. If you like want me to take anything off your plays plate, please let me know. Like she was literally like checking in on me like every day. She knew that my grandma was in Niada. She would literally message me and be like, how's your grandma in Niada? She'd be like, how's your auntie with the four kids doing? Like literally consistently. And I was like, that's so like heartfelt. Like it just, it just made me feel really good to know that it wasn't this like fake environment because some some of them it was a fake environment like oh my god but like there were a couple people that were really authentic that I just I really appreciated I'm very glad you got that at work I feel yeah. like that makes such a big difference like it really does for someone to understand how maybe you're not fully present at a meeting or you know you're just like there's a certain amount of work that's just like too much you know it can be very overwhelming so it helps a lot like especially in the beginning it was just like so insane so I'm sure that really helped um in the beginning the way that we were glued to our phones was insane oh like I don't, I don't even remember sleeping I remember like I would be on my phone like this my eyes would close and then I'd wake up back on my phone like it wasn't even it wasn't even real life yeah so now, do you remember the twitter spaces yeah I, like had i had it on like a raddy you know like old I, men that just have I the radio it. on all day no, that same me. same because there was such a need to like know what was going on oh because the the not knowing and like the uncertainty and the what if what do you mean? Like you could, I cannot sleep a wink. So like it's me being on the radio, right? And just listening and trying to be like, okay, what's happening? Where? Like, okay, so there is electricity. Okay, so there is a grocery store open. Like, you know. And then being able to maybe help my family, like, be like, okay, I just heard this. Like, go here. There's insulin here. Whatever was necessary, you know. Can we talk about how insane that is? We were literally across the fucking ocean, like telling our families, go get this medicine from this store. Oh, like this one is closed. Oh, be careful of this neighborhood. Like the way that the diaspora showed out, like nobody can tell me that it wasn't incredible because subhanAllah, like I'm still astounded. The mobilization within and outside of Sudan was insane like nobody says Sudanese people other than Sudanese people let's let's just say it like it is okay like the way that everybody was messaging and sharing information and on the ground like these guys that would be on these radio stations like running around the city and like be like this they is were safe. saving like, lives one of them I still remember his name OG saving lives like subhanallah I that I I, like, I'm not to say that I'm surprised, but it's so moving to see the power in that community, to see the love that we have and the care that we have for one another. This, like, alhamdulillah. I'm so thankful yeah, for it. Yeah, and I, it's so incredible because living in the West, like, living in the U.S., there's this, like, idea of, like, mutual aid and, like, togetherness 
and just like doing something out of pure selflessness because when you're when you're literally trying to get bread for your family right and so is everybody in your neighborhood like things can easily turn oh I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go get this bread for my family I'm not gonna tell anybody about this because everybody's on survival mode and we need to do what we need to do to survive and you're not thinking about everybody else which I feel like that's exactly what would happen in in the U.S. or in the West. I mean at the the beginning of the pandemic please please the right. pandemic that was they crazy couldn't share just give one snowstorm in virginia you won't so find that trader ass. joe's empty there is no sharing there is no caring there, <laughs> there is, is nothing me myself and maybe my dog that's about it my dog is, is number one and then me myself <laughs> maybe maybe my wife maybe my kids they can go maybe. wait Avran told me the story yesterday she was like this lady left the city because her dog had anxiety so she was like I loved living in the city but I had to move out because of my dog the the city she was referring to was Arlington so she moved to Reston goodbye goodbye Oscar was on anxiety medication and now he's thriving (laughs) Oscar Biscuit on life (laughs) <laughs> who's gonna take us out of this where's our anxiety medicine oh my god, oh my god. So the thing is like to, to see this like level of radical effort because in in compared to the west this is radical Girl, you're helping people truly. you know you don't know not just eat and get medicine but also escape under they were bullets picking and bombing people up. they were picking people up they said Jindu is at this house. Can someone is someone near that can pick him up? They were picking they, they up. Don't 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 they don't know Jindu. They don't know Jindu. For good, they don't know Jindu. They were driving through like live bullets and like airstrikes and all of that to pick up a random. People were doing wellness checks. People were, you know, like dropping off food. People were trying to distribute cash to whoever needed it so that they can leave and the opening of the homes was just like everybody's house was open like till now this is so it's just like I feel so blessed to be Sudani because these kinds of qualities and attributes don't exist in our modern world and that's not what people are passing down to their kids and stuff you know this is like yeah. uniquely us yeah uniquely us and I, I and I stand and I you know I like the blessing of it is we were holding each other up when all the doors were being closed Chad was being closed Egypt was being closed all these all everyone around us was like ooh, like I don't know if we're gonna let people in I don't know what's going on and we were just like getting each other out like making it work however we could just alhamdulillah like nobody was doing that for us i'll tell you that much nobody did anything like you said let's say that let's say for what it is we had each other's back and that was that and like still actually still Mm -hmm. and i think it's really incredible to also like be able to do all of this in terms of like helping each other and all this stuff 
but also like we're literally worried sick about our family you know like everyone was doing this stuff while genuinely even diaspora people were like trying to do all these efforts online and digitally like share information and awareness and all this stuff and then we're on the phone the next second with our family like where are you guys what do you need what happened in the neighborhood okay like and the and the buses like trying to organize buses for people to leave and like obviously there are people who scammed people yeah robbed them of their money but like that trip out of Khartoum organizing it and like the possibility of it and then packing and leaving the house and it was just like I don't even think anyone understood what was happening in the moment and then now that things are kind of settling it just seems like it's gonna be a while I mean I also I feel like times like these show the best in people and the worst in people and I'm so glad that it showed so many good things like I don't know if y'all remember but like when people first started going to the Aqalim, there was pretty much a competition between the different Aqalim being like, no, we're the most Karimin, no, we're the most Karimin. And they would like put these videos on social media of just like an entire road closed off with like Sawani of food. Then it was so impressive. But I also feel like during like week two of what was going on, like I, I had this like feeling of like, loneliness because I couldn't really talk about it with non-Sudani people because they wouldn't like really fully understand the context and then I felt bad talking about it with Sudani people because I'm like I don't want to re-trigger them and I remember I shared some like really sad stories with y'all about like what was going on with my family and I felt bad doing that like I knew I needed to get it off my chest but at the same time I was like I feel like I'm passing my trauma along and it was just this like very weird like middle space where it was like you call your family in Sudan or like in Port Sudan at the time or in Egypt at the time and they tell you all this like crazy shit and you're like I can't keep it in but at the same time it's like I don't want to burden others because they're also hearing from their families like crazy Mm. shit too you know yeah honestly I was thankful to hear about what was going on than than to not know anything like even though it made me emotional and I remember us driving to Eid and and we were just like talking uh, yeah I'm like, I'm like driving and all of a sudden Fad tells me something I'm just like sobbing in the Eid parking lot like like as we're driving in I'm just like trying to like pat my face dry we had no tissues in the car it was a mess we we're just like trying to keep it together the whole salah like oh like uh, in in shambles and every other day I think one of us would have a breakdown we just kind of and still and still for sure but I think I'd rather know what's going on the car even till now I walk in the door from work and I'm like what happened what's new exactly what what happened what's new what's going on progress report daily progress report and you know I think in order to survive, I genuinely had to get off of socials. I I feel like we have a lot of shout outs to give for the people really, really, really doing some hard work um, on social media and like keeping us informed and keeping everyone like together. And and they're really creating amazing spaces as well. Um, And we'll definitely shout them out. But I not knowing is so much scarier to me than knowing anything. Like I'd rather give me the facts. 
Yeah, I don't feel like this is a time where ignorance is bliss. Like, it's just not, you know, especially when it's like we are in a space to kind of help. Like, let's let's know what's going on. Tell me who needs what. Did they make it to Egypt? Where are they staying? Do we need to find an apartment? Blah, blah, blah. Like, things need to get done. And it's like, how crazy would that be for us to not know and just sit and be like, well, that's just Mm -hmm. not. It's like innately, I don't even think it's part of us. So I'm with you. I would rather know than not know and wonder. And I would, and that is kind of the the double edged sword because the knowing requires you to constantly be on. You have to constantly yeah. read. You have to constantly talk. Like it's constant engagement. You don't get time for yourself. I don't know if you guys are doing anything to create that time for yourself. The most that I'm doing is like, you know, I'll see my friends, I'll like go out on the weekend, I'll like try to maintain some sort of normalcy, but then there's always that something in the back of your head where it's like slight guilt, or just like, how do I even have the privilege to be able to do this when this is not like, my cousins are struggling, you know, and the things that pain me the most are like, the graduations that were, you know, on the way, the wedding, please. I, I know but like this is this is what I think about yeah. like you know these things and then all the plans that were just like they're just lingering and in limbo and no one really knows what to do with any of that stuff and now it's like literally collecting the pieces and I don't even know what's gonna happen I'm sad how did it feel for you to like call our family over the past week and be like this might be for the long haul Oh yeah, like last weekend, I pretty much did a road show with our like, like aunts and cousins and such. And I like Mm -hmm. called all of them and I was like, this is going to be a long term thing. I hope I'm wrong. Like, we all hope so. But from what we're seeing and what we're reading, this feels like it's going to be at least a year. So I was like, if you're comfortable where you currently are, alhamdulillah, if you're not find a place to be comfortable and it was a really hard conversation to have but like I felt obligated to do so because like a lot of them have little kids a lot of them I knew that were like with their grandparents in a two-bedroom and it's like seven people you know and it's just like I wanted them to prepare themselves adequately and like to have develop like a new form of normalcy and develop like a little bit of stability than staying in the situation where it's like okay we might go back tomorrow okay we might go back tomorrow okay we might go back tomorrow you know and so alhamdulillah from that conversation literally like three days later my cousins left their left where they were and they like made their way to to Egypt they were in Port Sudan and they're planning on staying in Port Sudan and they until they can go back to Khartoum but like they made their way to Egypt. We actually just got word today that they arrived. Alhamdulillah, it took them like three days to get there. Wow. Um, but Alhamdulillah, they arrived. Yeah, my other cousin who like the whole family went to stay with the grandparents in Kosti, like no water, um, electricity cuts, like all of this stuff, right? My uncle is sick. He has like diabetes and and all of that he can't like refill his medicine um so right now they're they're planning to go to Egypt but like they forgot their passports in Khartoum 
So they're like, they need to find a way to like get passports so they can go. But like, they're like figuring out their route and like all of this stuff. And so like pe different people are on the move now. Um, but it was like, and it was weird because like I talked to them like throughout the week and they were like, okay, like you kind of put us in motion to like make moves. And I was like, it's it's such a horrible feeling to tell people to like, leave you know like I never thought that was a message I'd ever have to say in my life you know ever like, ever, 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 ever 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 even now talking about it it still blows my mind still there's something it's not clicking here it's really it's not clicking yeah I can't even imagine like going back to the streets and like it not looking how it looked and like everyone's everywhere and like it, it like gives me chills it gives me it gives chills. me chills it gives me chills it's like really insane to think about like right now the most recent update slash thing that I'm grieving is that um like my mm, I don't know they're like my grandparents like they're yeah. technically my grandma's like siblings but you know they're the eldest yeah in the family so our their home which is like there's like five you know how Sudan is there's like five families living in this house and they're like separated by doors the houses and they, you know and each one has like kind of like a space and so all five of these spaces and like one of the spaces is like a three-level apartment another one is like a home the RSF entered all five of the spaces like no. this is not, this is not like a small like house it's a very big house and they manage <sighs> to go through every single like part yeah. of it all the apartments yeah. like everything destroyed what they can you know trying oh to God. feel what they can and then and then are just chilling there and they've occupied the house as like theirs and for me there's so much grief in that because it's like I like it's like a violation it I mean I just cannot think about walking to imagine red man rednecks taking over your house literally I mean these people on the are, couch breaking your shit oh my God, you know like I don't even know. I don't even know if rednecks are as bad as these people. Like, these people are yeah. the worst of the worst. And I just feel like that house will never be the same again because it's been so deeply violated. So we were um, we were at my aunt's house, the one that's here, and she was um, telling us that her husband's house in Sudan also got, um, I don't know, what's the word? Like, the RSF now took it over no, not just looted, they're occupied. also occupied. That's the word. It's now occupied by the RSF. And it was so it's sad squatters. because literally squatters, um, mm -hmm. because he had been like working his ass off and saving to build that for at least five years. Like literally this dude like didn't really go on vacation, up. didn't really like like do indulge in anything, anything because he's like, I'm building this house in Sudan. And I feel like so many people have stories like that. Yeah. And it was like, it was, it was funny. Because, I mean, it wasn't funny, but like his sister called my aunt and told her and my aunt knew that he would have like a, like a 
visceral reaction you know so she was like I waited until the weekend to tell him because I knew it would like impact him severely Mm. and he was like he couldn't sleep he was so anxious like literally we saw him on like day two of her telling him the news and you could tell he was like he was so anxious he was fidgety and I'd never seen him that fidgety but it's like to your point this is like people desecrating your space and space Mm -hmm. that like you value and memories and like so much joy around these homes that have been in our families for generations and like you know my mom got married there like these are like homes that have raised our parents that have seen us grow and just like that we wanted our kids to run around the house there at one point you know right these are like the cornerstones of our memories in Sudan and like I don't know what to do with the idea that now it's not going to look the same it's never going to be the same and that this happened but at the same time like I'm trying to hold on to hope and like maintain some sort of optimism towards the future just because that's my natural disposition and just because I feel like it's also really needed at a time like this for myself like literally just to maintain survival but I don't know what the future looks like and I I I I don't know what's gonna happen I don't know what's gonna change or when because I still feel like we're so alone and no one really is on our side and like it feels like the world is just watching us crash and burn and everyone's kind of okay with it I think we will continue to just exhaust ourselves screaming into the void because there's nobody listening really there's no feedback I think we need to continue to invest in ourselves and invest in mobilizing our own communities because in terms of looking to the outside world begging for the Arab world to pay attention the western world to pay attention anybody is is really exhausting when we know like the the reality of what we look like and how that impacts how we are supported right so i think exhausting our energy screaming at them is 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 just that exhaustion i um, mean unfortunately I, I that's that's how i am maybe it's pessimistic but it's like for for how long and then when they're masalah when whatever mm-hmm. like comes comes together you know mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. able to stand up and our mm-hmm. everything aligns then then they'll have things to help us out with but mm-hmm. until then as as the people mobilizing i i don't i don't see any benefit. I mean, honestly fuck them right like i'm totally with you fuck them but at the same time i'm just like is it possible to get out of this without any help i think that's, it will come my... later that's the thing i think they oh God, expect people to sense. They expect black people to pull themselves up from their bootstraps and then they'll dust us out and be like, oh, we helped you get up. Like, that's that's what it's in here for me. That's what I've seen time and time again. And unfortunately, it's all about, what is Masalah in English? I don't even know. But it's all about, like, interest. And if the interests of these nations do not align with the interests of Sudan, no one cares. And in terms of, like, private parties and all of that, they're just like, oh, haven't you guys been going through this? hasn't this been happening all that aren't like, you guys like, black and just used to this <laughs> all of those microaggressions make me want to tear my hair out make me want to tear my hair out so i'm just like i'm not gonna chit chat with you i don't got the time okay 
how does this not make energy. you just want to be like i don't want any but like i just want black friends you know what i'm saying like, no 80 percent but like, like i'm at 95 right now i'm at 95 percent you know <laughs> i'm thankful <laughs> no because hello i mean so practically i don't think we can get out of this without foreign intervention because currently like the two parties don't have don't have incentive to stop other than destroying each other and destroying the billet in the meantime literally it's almost comical how little they care about no they just care about themselves i'm sorry also okay. The for- sorry i'm gonna get a little political the foreign intervention the ceasefire how's that working out for us it's not I mean, but nobody nobody tried to enforce anything that's the problem right now is we have half-assed involvement and we can if we turn this political we can we can yeah, keep going let's just, yeah, let's, right now, ladies, yeah literally oh my god i have to share this with y'all though so i was going back and forth with um with like a friend colleague who lived in Sudan up until like last month and we were talking about like optimism and pessimism yesterday and I was like my optimistic self hopes this leads to like positive transformation rebuilding in a sustainable way and shaking the inherent vulnerabilities in our previous system he was like sure um pessimistic perspective there will no longer be Sudan and rather small villages that government that are governed by militias from different states and neighborhoods. It'll be like different nation states within Sudan. <laughs> and then the, um, way, the, the way I want to hang up on you right now. Literally. literally. The way I want to hang up. <laughs> no, it gets better. It gets better. And then the realistic, um, the realistic outcome is the R- the SAF wins, the army wins, and we uh, go back to being a dictatorship um, under a new peace agreement in place. And the country would have the same government scenario prior to April, prior to this April, but without infrastructure and business. I was like, how is that not pessimism? Like, what? There's I was like, everything you have outlined is pessimism. There is, there is no realism in that. Like, what? I actually want to hang up. Like, I actually want to hang up the phone. Because I think this is, like, also part of the thing, right? It's like, why, why is it that we're always, like, our arm is constantly twisted, right? And they break our kneecaps. And they're just like, you have to accept this and we'll show you right that if you don't accept this it gets worse so you have to just accept these crumbs as what's best for you and for this nation and it's and like that's what happened in 2021 with that freaking agreement but why the fuck we can't we ever have the peace and and democracy that the rest of Sudan is literally fighting for. Like, I don't understand. They don't want us to. There is no civilian voice right now. They're not listening to us. And from the beginning, the fact that they even gave the RSF any type of voice in the global uh, stage is the problem. Like, we've been yelling for for since the beginning. None of these people represent us, and no one listens. And now look at the shit show that they've allowed to happen. Like, it's insane. Just a deep sigh. 
So something that I feel like I've admired from other countries is this like sense of wakaniya. Like they have this like deep sense of like nationalism. You know when like Egyptians say like Masr Dunya or like Turks will literally like all have their flags plastered on their houses. You know, like I feel like for Sudani people, we ride or die for each other. But like when it comes to this like like nationalism, there's such a gap there because like our nation our governments have like fucked us over time and time again. And so I feel like having that nationalism and having that like sense of like we're all one regardless of where we're from is so important to sustain like true democracy. Yeah. I feel oh, like this no. war is also causing the same kinds of divisions that we saw it is pre-2019, the tribalism, the ethnic, like, you know, kind of hierarchy, like all these sorts of things are coming back. And I'm I'm really scared of that because I do feel like, you know, the revolution really united Sudani people in a way I've never seen before and never even thought it was possible in the near future. And to just watch it kind of all be undone is like ridiculous. But I mean, I don't see why anyone would be like, yay like there was a time in Sudan's history where even like sometimes being this like you know showing nationalistic pride or whatever meant that you were aligned with the Kazan because that is what it was it was like the Kazan are the ones who were in these government positions and like were pushing their own agendas and like you know what I mean and you had to be against the government in order to align yourself with the people and true democracy so there has always been this division and I don't know if it'll ever come together unless the government does start to you know represent us I think as civilians when we start to see ourselves as the government like as the citizens and that's how we are able to then build our nation to how we view it right and that comes I think we're very blessed to have a space to have these conversations on a public scale right we have social media we have all of these things where we can talk and build the country that we want to see and right now we're in survival mode let's be honest we're just everyone's trying to live right um but at the end of it I think we do have an opportunity to see a way better future than that was outlined I do not accept that. I think it's BS to think that the best that we can hope for is for the military to win and for us to be ushered back into a shit show without a home. Okay? I, I reject. Reject Rebuke. that energy. Rebuke. Rebuke it. Yeah. Rebuke. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, I think it was Angela Davis who said this. And I do feel like Sudani people are rad- radical people. I do think that we're radicalized. I do feel like yes. just innately in the way that we move and see the world and care for each other, it's radical in 2023. But maybe it was Angela Davis or Bell Hooks who said that they try and kill your ability to dream. Like mm. they don't want you to even think or imagine a better future because then you will settle. Because then you will be like, oh, it's not possible. And how often in our lives do we always feel like something is not possible unless we see it done? If you don't see it in your head, you're never going to be able to actualize it. So I, I don't want to hold on to anything the West tells us is possible for Sudan 
because the West could have never predicted 2019 or 2020 revolution, not in a thousand fucking years. And guess what? Everybody who watched that shit go down was taking notes, was yeah. taking notes. Yeah. So I'm it not was, gonna sit yeah. and listen to these people. And it's like we we are continuously underestimated, but we stand up and we stand for each other and we stand by each other. And especially with the youth at the forefront of everything, I think we have a more collective voice than we've seen in Sudan like ever. You know, alhamdulillah, yeah. I think even with all the tribal stuff, I think that that is background noise that is still being fed in and used to corrupt everybody's thoughts. But I think once all of that is kind of pushed out, there's more of us that align with each other and care about each other more than just all this other BS. So there's way more hope than whatever that is. And it was Bell Hook. She said, to be truly visionary, we have to root our imagination in our concrete reality while simultaneously imagining possibilities beyond that reality. And I think that duality is so important because like living in modern times and we we see the impossible happen. We see miracles happen. We see like growth happen, right? So yes, we might see the current situation in front of us, but that doesn't mean that it can't change quickly. And I truly believe in like, what is it like if you dream it, you believe you achieve it or, or whatever that that like phrases but like if if you put a goal post in front of you and like as a community you're running from it get towards it then it you'll get there um well I was watching oh at the podcast I shared with you guys it was the AB talks with Jay uh Shetty and one thing they were saying there is they were talking about um like the greatest kind of love is not romantic love but it's love of community because it was like that like love can cause cosmic change it can cause transformative change and I feel like we're at a moment right now where Sudani people do have that like large-scale community love and it could really drive revolutions it can drive like so many things um and it was just like I I I was listening to that and I was like we're in that moment where we feel the love through the mobilization Mm -hmm. you know yeah no that's exactly what it is and I do think it's transformative and we've watched it transform before and I don't I I do think that it's possible and I want to hold on to that I don't know how it's going to go down but I do think it's possible and that we will come out of this in a better way and it was also bell hooks who said that pessimism is a tool of white supremacy and is it not white supremacy that got us here Yes. Snaps, snaps, snaps. I, I was reading this study about coping mechanisms and trauma in uh, South Sudanese refugees. This was like a study back in 04, but they talked about how these refugees okay, intellectual. dealt with trauma. <laughs> okay, <intellectual>. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you all the facts. Okay, Let me Can give you just... all the facts. Can we just talk about that real quick? A study <laughs> in 2004 showed. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Because yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to be rooted in facts in 2023, baby. Okay. They talked about emerging from hopelessness to hope, okay? Hope played a crucial role in the participants' coping and survival. They hoped for a better future and planned for it, which was a motivational force. 
Despite the realities of their daily lives, they created narratives of hope, um, demonstrating resilience and positive adaptations in the face of adversity. Okay, we've done it before, baby, and we'll do it again. And snaps, that's that on motherfucking And you know, the more we talk about this, the more I'm thinking, I mean, this is just kind of where my brain goes just because of, you know, what I've learned, but it's also like, if we think about 200 years, what African-Americans experience in this country and why, for example, Obama's presidency we was have like Barack. insane, right? When Obama, when Obama should lay him there? In little Cuba, then I think that's a far Who knows? We should call Michelle. We need to put Michelle on the line. Get Michelle on T71. You know what? You know what? Maybe. But the thing is, let's just hope it doesn't take 200 years. Let's hope, you know. I mean, I mean, I mean. But it's going to happen, right? That's that's the point. And it's going to ebb and flow. Honestly, when Obara told me about the study, I was like, I feel like we started out hopeful that it would end soon. And then mm-hmm. we were at a hopeless place, like, shit, when mm-hmm. is this going to end? And now I, at least I feel like a little bit back to hopeful. So you it's going to like ebb and flow. You know what's making me hopeful? This conversation. But before we hit record, baby. No, I was, no, I was, I was literally about to say that. The way I came into this conversation. <laughs> I actually was ragged because I was like, that's the defeat, you know? And then we, that's the defeat. That's what white supremacy wants me to feel defeated and yep. just, but we're going to move, right? We're going to move. We are, we are resilient. We are rooted in, in community. We are rooted in hope. And that's that's what what's ingrained in our DNA as Sudani people, okay? Right. And you that's know what, what I was telling? Back on. You know what I was telling um my I was telling Adolf this a couple weeks ago, like when our cousins, like baby cousins, had to leave Sudan and such, and and like they they are going through a whole situation. But like the little one, he always wanted to be a pilot, and the other one always wanted to be a doctor. And like in Sudan of like twenty twenty two, that felt kind of hard, right? But then I. I was thinking like, okay, now that they're out of Sudan, if they're like in, I don't know, somewhere else, maybe that's something they can achieve. Like think about just having experiences now in different countries and then inshallah going back to a country and like actually having a better education system, actually having better healthcare because we're going to have to build it all from scratch, right? So hopefully when we build it, it's in with a stronger foundation. I mean, all of these degrees mm. from the diaspora need to be, you know, <laughs> really put into use. I think, and for a long time from what I've been taught, like talking to you guys and talking to everybody, people in the diaspora have been itching to get back to Sudan and make an impact. And I feel like once said Karor and Asanda leaves our country, waste men <laughs> at first i was like who are you talking about <laughs> you know who i'm talking about okay at him at, at both of the two main at Ma'afinin. Ma'afinin. At backslash Ma'afin. once they leave our country breathe. breathe 
to be able to breathe and create the future that every Sudani deserves. Every single Sudani. That's what I'll be praying for. Inshallah. I mean, I'm going to tag Abdul Fattah Burhan and Hemeti since now they, they got a big-ass mouth. Now they got Twitter accounts yapa, and yapa, whatever yapa. else accounts. Yeah. And we're yeah. adding you, niggas. Okay? Uh, actually, actually. Tag. Okay, uh, final uh, words of hope, y'all. God Ooh. is bigger than any of our worries and stressors of this current moment. And I'm going to hold on to that. Allah. I think resilience is continuing to show up for each other and showing up for ourselves and showing up for our communities. And once we have each other's back, no one can stop us. I think I'm. my point is going to be where we started of it's important to take time for yourself. It's important to put the world on pause, even if it's on fire to take time so that you can react and and do what you need to do but like we all need to do that we all need to create spaces for doing that and we can't we can't make each other feel bad for like escaping the moment you know so we'll we'll get there inshallah inshallah peace and love y'all